everybody. This is Shane Douglas Keene, and I'm here with my partner, Rich Duncan. And tonight we are joined by a very special guest and sister in mayhem, Laurel Hightower. Um, some of you will remember she was on, on the podcast earlier this season, and we hope to have her back again and again and again. So welcome, Laurel. Thanks, Shane. <laughs> How, That's how your, are you? your new Twitter handle, the sister in mayhem. Yeah, <laughs> it beats the hell out of Hightower or Laurel. That's just boring. Uh, yeah, same here. It's like, okay, I need a cool name. Nah, here, have Shane. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You had the slit throat, man. Remember? <laughs> I'm still that way. <laughs> No, I changed it back, didn't I? Never mind. I don't know who the fuck I am. (laughs) It was seasonal. Yeah, exactly. It's a Christmas thing. (laughs) (laughs) He's like the fourth Christmas ghost. Hey, hey, you know what's kind of cool about what's kind of cool about this episode that we're doing right now is um, we're not only closing out a year together because this will be our last episode of the year, but we're closing out an entire decade, the first decade of the 21st century. In fact, I know that's insane. And I saw something that said like, you know, like, okay, so the year 2000 was 20 years ago, but the year 1980 was also 20 years ago. And both of these things exist in my head. That's just how I'm always going to think about it. My head does that. My head does that all the way back to the damn 70s. So, (laughs) (laughs) no comment there for me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and it it gets longer and longer the older you get, Laurel. So it's kind of cool. You have all these different things that happened 20 years ago. Yeah. It's just all within the, you know, space-time continuum of 20 years. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) It's kind of like a hellier thing. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, Laurel, uh, that thing I was talking about, the signals from the abyss moment, like when Shane would call, like, I'd be like, oh, I can hear you in the background. Like, it was like a, like, almost like a keyboard typing. And then it would be quiet, and then it would sound like he was, like, ruffling papers. That wasn't him. <laughs> and then he said he could – I was like, oh, I hear something. And then he's like, I hear it, too. <laughs> and it was it was strange. Like, he, like, I heard it. It sounded almost like somebody was, like – like, he was talking, but it was, like, real far away. And he heard, like, a wind chime or a chandelier. Uh, but keep weird. me in mind. Keeping in mind that I've been smoking weed, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't. I heard it. So we both heard it at the same time. We have a control, dr- uh, we have a control group here. So, yeah, that's uh, that's creepy. You guys dialed another dimension. So your microphone was actually working really well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, what, <laughs> that's what was driving me crazy, because my computer, I have a have a monitor up on it when I record, and it's telling me that my microphone is fine. So, yeah, it was really weird. I mean, maybe we've watched too much Hellier, but it was creepy as hell, because, like, all those times I thought I was hearing him, it wasn't him. <laughs> Well, that actually really is creepy. How close? How close are you to, to 
to Hellier, Laurel. I was going to ask her that too. I haven't started it. I am um, I'm majestically far behind because I just finished like episode five of five. Uh, mm-hmm. No, I mean, how close uh, geographically are you to Hellier? Oh, I have no idea. Where I, I knew it was a show. It, it's also a location. Where is it? Yeah, it's in Kentucky. Yeah. Oh, for cool. Yeah. If yeah. you ever heard of uh, like. The main the show's a little bit different in what it explores, but um, if you ever heard of the Hopkinsville Goblin case, that's it's the same town. Okay, yeah, I've been in Hopkinsville because I knew there was a Hell, Kentucky. I had not heard of a Hell, your Kentucky. But... From what I've seen on film, it looks like there's not much to it. I mean, like uh, it's it's one of those blink and miss it towns for sure. Which is like ninety percent of Kentucky, yes. So yeah, wow. <laughs> I didn't know this was like in Kentucky. That's exciting. I really need to go watch these shows. Yeah, yeah, because the like the Hopkinsville thing was like one of my favorite cases to read about growing up, and there wasn't really much to it, I don't think, way back when, and that's why I started watching the show. Oh, that's cool. Okay, yeah, I need to go catch up. That's exciting. Yeah, it's fun. Even if you're, I mean, like me, I'm a total fucking skeptic. I don't believe anything. I don't even believe my my, my own name most mornings. <laughs> um, but I enjoyed the hell out of the whole series, both seasons. So, no matter how you approach it, whether you approach it as a yeah, you're gonna have to convince me of that shit, or you're you know more open to it like Rich is, it's still I'm, fun as hell. Yeah. I'm I'm more on the rich side of things. I. I mean, I tend to believe until you smack me in the face with something that's like, no, really, look, this is how they do it. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, and I tend to be just the opposite of that. I've I've even, Rich has heard some of the weird shit I've experienced in my lifetime, but I'm still skeptical about what the real underlying cause was to it, just because I'm skeptical about everything. (laughs) Except Bigfoot, right? Except for what? Bigfoot. Well, yeah, you can't fucking live in Oregon and not believe <laughs> <Yeah>. in Bigfoot. <laughs> I mean, you're literally you literally have to sign an application that says you believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> now, like, God forbid, you like walk, like, say you walk down the street in like some store and you said that you didn't. Would they like run you out of town? Um, some places in this state, yeah, they'd be like, yeah, fuck you. Not so much in Portland, um, or the lower, lower valley rural areas, but you start getting up into our mountains and wooded areas and yeah, they're, they're all convinced, which kind of suggests there may be something to it. Yeah. I was just curious. Yeah, yeah, I feel like if you you know, if you say that you don't believe in him, like he's probably standing right next to you at the convenience store looking hurt and. Everyone, you know, rushes to his defense. <laughs> yeah, my 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 dad and my uh, my aunt Dorothy, um, both to get, they were camping one time. Them and my mom and some other people, and they went hiking, and they swear to swear to God that they saw him from about twenty five feet away. So, yeah, I mean, my dad did a lot of drugs when he was younger too, but. <laughs> That's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> so there's some variables in here. We're not sure about that. Yeah. 
But you know what? Rich and I believe you. We believe your dad like completely. So. <laughs> oh yeah, I I I buy in a lot of that stuff. Well, Hook, line yeah. and sinker. I think I've spent so much time in in the woods in Oregon, both with other people and by myself, hiking and camping, and um, I've never seen anything, but I've heard some shit that couldn't be easily explained. Yeah, so I tend to kind of lean toward there being something there. See, my problem is is that I do believe in that stuff, and when I was younger, like, I didn't like I would go out in the woods, but not usually at night. And I'm by no means a nature expert, <laughs> but I used to go like night fishing with my dad, like midnight, one in the morning, we'd be like out in the woods. And I think I forget what someone said the animal was, <clears throat> but like we were out there and we were walking back through there. And mind you, this is around the age where I would read all those paranormal books and all that shit. And we're walking back through the woods. It's pitch dark. We're like a couple miles from the house. And it almost sounded like someone was screaming bloody murder. I've never run so fucking fast in all of my life. <laughs> through the woods like i ran the whole way home i beat my dad home by like 20 minutes (laughs) yeah see that's uh and that's one of the common sounds that uh people attribute to bigfoot is a screaming sound but um usually it's not as high pitched as that yeah i think someone said it was like Uh, I want to say like some kind of like because we would get it was rare, but sometimes you'd get like bobcats and stuff like that. And I think that's what they said it was. But, yeah, I was I was convinced it was like something supernatural. And I tore ass through those woods. Well, that was weird. Uh, My son's dog guitar just whimpered at me. And I feel I feel strange about that. So anyway, did you did you just say his name is Guitarge? <laughs> From now on, it's Guitarge. Okay, so I'm just tomorrow. heard that. <laughs> New name, dog. Get used to it. <laughs> see we're talking about all this strange stuff and all this all this stuff starts happening yeah Yeah. all the equipment gets possessed and mine just happens to be toys so that's not creepy at all no (laughs) that's the thing about kids toys because like sometimes they don't have like an off switch and like if there's like the slightest pressure on like you know that button that says like squeeze here or whatever you'll have it like sitting in like a toy box or something and all of a sudden it just starts going off scares the hell out of me sometimes i hope that's what i hope that's what happens that's what i'm going to see sitting here all the way across the room from it Oh, man, my kids had some creepy-ass toys that way over the years where you'd be just walking past them, nobody near it, and it would start fucking ding, 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 ding. Like, (laughs) just make me sink my claws into the ceiling, you know? (laughs) Like, some some children's toys are oddly terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> no arguments there. No. Oh, man. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about um, about uh, this last season, but let's also talk um, about some of our favorite books that we've read this last year and some things we're looking forward to. And I think that Laurel may have come up with some questions for us as well. Yes, yeah. I had I had a lot of prep for that. So yeah. Came up with some some for you guys. But do you I mean, do you want to start with, you know, um some of the stuff you guys have read this year? Um yeah, that's kinda cool with me. What Rich, why don't you go? Tell me what some of your favorite <laughs> reads were. Oh man, now we're gonna we're gonna spoil the list. But that's okay. No, you don't um, have to get the whole thing out. No, no, I'm not. But yeah, we've read a whole bunch of great books, and if I had to pick, I'll just do like three. Yeah, um, that's a good number. Uh, the one, and I just read it recently, but I have a feeling it's going to be pretty high up there. Is uh, the Dead Girls Club by Damian Angelica Walters, um, which, funny enough, like I was looking at it on amazon and it's the number one new release in urban legend humor and i was like how does that no that's that's not the correct category at all yeah humor i mean good for i mean it doesn't matter because that means it's doing well but i was like humor i was like there is nothing funny about that <laughs> but, yeah any motherfucker uh, that finds that shit funny is really, really ill. <laughs> yeah, our Amazon overlords. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that I love that book for a lot of reasons. You know, the alternating timelines, the urban legend, you know, factor that she came up with. Um, another one is obviously Taft's the Fearing series. Um, that was probably my favorite reading experience just because of the serial nature of it and um the third one actually um which you know i hope as you know time it's out for a little bit longer because it only came out i think last month is uh karen runge's doll crimes and i pronounced her name right right i'm terrible with names i think it's runga runga a hard sound yeah well, yeah, I apologize for butchering that. But yeah, Doll Crimes, great, great novel. Um, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. I don't want to spoil it for anyone who's read it. It's mainly reality-based horror. Um, very, very heavy uh, uh, thematically. But there's also a little bit of like odd supernatural-ish maybe elements to it. But yeah, great book. Um, yeah, that's one sitting there waiting for me to get to it. I'm desperately negligent with that. Um, but the the other two, I strongly agree with you on the Fearing and the Dead Girls Club, two of the best reads of the year. Though I'll pick something else now that you stole them from me. <laughs> um, but uh, what about you, Laurel? Mm. Yeah, I've been sitting here trying to think of it, and I, I, I totally agree about the fearing. Um, and I, I got the Dead Girls Club for Christmas, so I'm excited to read that one. Um, 
And I would say, I mean, it's hard, you know, it's hard. I don't want to like put, you know, numbers on it as far as like ranking, but I know um, Remains, Andrew Cole's Remains was really high on my list of, of what I read. Stellar book. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, that really, it is hard to actually scare the hell out of me with a, with a book, you know, to where it like actually makes me jump. And that one totally did several times. Um, and yeah, that one was really well done. I really loved um, Haley Piper's um, The Possession of Natalie Glasgow. I don't know if either of you read that one. but No, no. I, I have a new one that's coming out this coming month, I think, that I'm reading here soon. Oh, The Cannibal? The Benny... Benny, Benny Rose, The Cannibal King or something? Yeah, yeah, that looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I read the first chapter in it, and it's utter mayhem. Just for this, it's like if she's if she stays true to form, it's going to be a brilliant book. Oh yeah. Well, no, I mean, and that's she's like one of the most inventive writers that I've read. Because um, I've read I read the Possession of Natalie Glasgow, which I love. A, I love a good possession story, anyways, and that is just what everyone says, and is completely true. Is you've never read a possession story like that. Um, it's it's fucking incredible. It's really really good, and it's really tightly just really tightly written and uh just you know just very inventive all of her stuff is um so yeah i'm looking forward to uh, to benny rose next year and then i also read um sh cooper's the festering ones was excellent that was another really really good one. Oh, that's a new one to me Both yeah it's uh, it's funny not to cut you off shane sorry but uh oh, totally did, uh, his article for the uh, novellas that we're gonna be i'm I'm going to get it in for this week, but that was one of his top novellas too. So it does sound really good. And I wrote down the other one because I hadn't heard of it. The possession one. Yeah, no, that's are They're, they're both really, really good. And both were new um, authors to me, you know, of course, actually the majority of what I've read here has been new authors to me, but I mean, it's just one of those things. I, I know I just fangirl all over this entire genre, but it's just like, there is so much fucking talent out there it's just it's overwhelming and it's so fucking awesome uh it's a rich time to be a horror fan for damn sure yes yes um well it's like uh not i mean as someone who remembers clearly the 70s and 80s it's it's the best uh horror boom we've had since then and it may even be a better one as far as indies go way better I'd be, I mean, that'd be awesome because I'd love to see this keep going, you know. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, for a long time, it felt like horror really stagnated, but I don't know if if horror really stagnated so much as the publishing industry um, grew cold on it, you know. Yeah, and that's kind of a cool or interesting take on it is you know back then when all that stuff happened you know not to say it couldn't happen again but a lot of that you know was before the advent of like the internet where you know everything was kind there was word of mouth and like zines and stuff but you were pretty much at the mercy of you know, the publisher, whereas now with like self-publishing and, you know, online communities like that we're a part of, you're not as reliant on that, you know, and those writers aren't as reliant on that. I think that's a good point. And uh, yeah, I mean, I hope that's part of what kind of helps keep it afloat. 
I think it, it will, and I think one of the guys we talked to this past year, um, uh, uh, Josh Mailerman, made a point yeah. that was really interesting to me, and I, yeah, I'm sure you probably remember if I mention it. It's where he started talking about there are like 50 or 100 newer-to-the-industry authors out there yeah. working right now who are what he termed um, super elastic, and they're bringing all new types of ideas and tropes and themes to the to the industry even you know everybody says you there's nothing new that hasn't been done but uh seems like newer authors like yourself and other authors are proving that that's not the truth at all i i think yeah i mean i think that's that's true and I, yeah i loved i loved the mailerman episode and i i mean him talking about you know the elasticity and everybody stretching i mean it's just so motivating you know, for, for everybody. Yeah. The, I remember I remember recording that uh, episode. I mean, the, the ending got a little bit hazy as Shane knows all too well, but uh, like, yeah, it, he's, he's so like his enthusiasm when he talks about this stuff, like as soon as we were done recording, you know, I was like, you know, I want to, I want to fucking sit down and just start writing something like anything. <laughs> like he just has that like effect on you when you talk to him. Yeah. Yeah. Just from listening, he does. I can only imagine talking to him. Uh, Josh is a good guy, a really good guy. Um, well, oddly, we've never met, but um, we consider each other to be good friends, and that's one. It's one of those rare cases of a never met the person, but you actually really believe that they're your friend. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the way, like me and Taff are almost like brothers, and we've never even sat in the same room together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're gonna Steve. have to whip you into scares that care, Shane. There's, yeah. There's one man. So. Yeah, I've got my eye on that. I'm gonna see what what can be made to happen. But uh, I lost yeah. my train of thought again. <laughs> never. Well, no. Um. Yeah, because I'm kind of the same way. I've never been to any of those. I am trying to, and this was another instance where like my mouth worked faster than my brain, but. I, I told uh, I told John Taff that I was going to try and go to StokerCon 2021, and I am going to try because I've always wanted to go to one, but like the one this year, it's in the UK. There ain't no way I'm going to make it to that one. <laughs> but I'm hoping that one day they circle back around to my neck of the woods. I believe they had one in Niagara Falls in like the 90s, but. Then it's time again, you know. It's been since the nineties. It's time. <laughs> it's back around. Yeah. Or like Syracuse or Rochester. Those are a little closer than Buffalo, but but uh it you know, you had mentioned scares that care. And like I know when we first talked to you, you know, you had said you were just sort of starting to get involved in the whole community and everything. And I was just wondering, you know. Like, is that something you want to start doing is like going to more cons? Do you have any like planned or? Yeah. The, the only one that I really at this point have planned is scares that care. And like, it's, you know, I mean, I'm just, I don't even honestly know how that works. Like as an author, I'm just planning 
ongoing like everyone else does, you know, just wanting hanging out and, you know, seeing who I can meet and who I can talk to and, and that kind of thing. Um, and I mean, that, that one really seems like, you know, that's like the most accessible one and it's Virginia, which is yeah. not terribly far away from me. So I, I can probably do that. Um, I'm like, you, yeah, I would love to do the circuit con over in the UK. And like, there was some silly part of me that was like, you know, high tower, there are planes. And I'm like, right. And there's also, you know, a toddler and a job yeah. and money and things like <laughs> and that. And a bunch of fucking money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can dream, but you know. <laughs> See, I have the most wholesome of dreams when it comes to cons because my biggest dream is to go to a big con like that and just get drunk with some of these motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the dream. That's that's the that's the Carl Jung, you know, central centralized dream for all of us. That's why we're all there. Is my opinion. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely, it's got to be. It wouldn't make sense otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, that was my whole my uh my whole goal is like to say hi to John out there and then you know have drinks with him. <laughs> <laughs> so was that? Yep, yeah, that was three. Sorry, yep. I'm spinning okay. spinning back around to that subject of the the books because I think I was I was skipping out and I almost went ahead, but I'll go ahead and tell you mine too. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's see. Rich ripped off two of mine and Laurel ripped <laughs> off another one. So that's why you got to go first, man. <laughs> because I fully, I fully agree with Remains too as being one of my absolute favorite reads of the year. Um, Andrew Cole is one of the most exciting discoveries I made this last year, and yeah. I highly recommend him to anybody. Um, so. Beyond that, um, a lot of crime this year. I read a lot of stuff that um, there was uh, Laird Barron's Black Mountain, which is an absolutely outstanding, outstanding crime noir novel. Um, the Isaiah College series is one of my favorite things going on in literature right now. Um, and in that same vein, uh, Echoes of the Fall by uh, Hank Early um, is absolutely a stunning read. It's one of the most beautiful, beautiful reads I had this year. Um, and I'm, what was the name of that? Yeah, uh, Andrew Piper's newest one. I'm drawing a blank on the title of it for some reason. Is that Homecoming? That one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that one. Yeah. Yeah, that was a that was another one that was just absolutely breathtaking, um, and terrifying in its way, because it yeah. was also absolutely possible. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, <laughs> speaking of that, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I mean I guess we can since you know we're just bantering back and forth and we could always cut it if it's considered cheating but i wanted can, to put one more can, out there yeah we can do any fucking thing we want to really. <laughs> yeah. I, one other one and i'm just trying to make sure i get the guy's name right but it's one that was kind of, it was underrated in my opinion i i reviewed it way back at the start of the year and i don't recall seeing it anywhere else really and i hope i pronounce his name right but it's patrick senecal seven days 
that mm. I'm going to put that as my fourth one, because like I said, I don't think it really got any notice um, in any of the blogs I've seen. I could be wrong, but man, that book, that book is incredibly, incredibly brutal. Um, it, you know, it was one of those books where it was kind of a tough read for me, you know, having a young daughter, but I couldn't tear my eyes away from it because it kind of explores like the like the guy without spoiling it his daughter's kidnapped and you know this guy kills her well the father he doesn't think that it's being handled the right way so he kind of sets off on his own path of revenge and it kind of like explores his mindset you know as he follows out this plan and you know whether or not he finds this guy and what happens and it's it's incredibly brutal but i felt like it was really well done like it wasn't too over the top over the top or exploitative even though some like really crazy stuff happens (laughs) but uh it was just it was cool to kind of see you know like you start out thinking one way in that book and then by the end you kind of start changing your opinions as you go and like i said i it it kept me hooked and uh i haven't really seen many people mention it so i kind of wanted to kind of wanted to give a spotlight on it was that seven days is that what it was called yeah he's actually a french canadian writer he has he has a couple books out but i think this is the only one that's been translated to english mm-hmm. Like some of the stuff kind of like there, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but like, it seemed like maybe in the translation, like there was a, there was a crap load of exclamation points. <laughs> I don't know if it was like intentional or, you know, if it was just one of those weird translation things, but with that kind of like little stuff aside, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a really good book that I don't think many people heard about. I'll have to make a note of me. I don't. I don't think that I heard anything about that one. Yeah, it and Shane, like, it, I think you would like it too, because I know, like, we talk about some of these books where it's like really brutal stuff, and this one's right up there with about the most brutal you could probably think of. Which is right up my alley. I'm the guy who just finished reading Keen Ketchum and Layman for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> We're splattermists. It's it's a new tradition. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, I I committed to it as soon as I thought about it the first time. Like, yep, this is this is going to be my yearly celebration. So (laughs) (laughs) next year there will be greeting cards. (laughs) (laughs) So did I? I did them all right. Yeah, yeah, you did all three. And then I I jumped in and cheated with my fourth selection. Right. And I was going to cheat and say some short story love, Paul Turnblay's Growing Things and Matt Hayward's, uh, what's it called, Rich? Uh, Various States of Decay. Yes, thank you. I was going to say States of Decay, and I knew there was more to it than that. Okay, that's me. I cheated too now. I feel (laughs) Do you want to cheat too, Laurel? (laughs) (laughs) I'll, well, I, I mean, I feel like I'm going to like forget, you know, 700 things that I read and love, but I'll just because I have to. Yeah, I'll cheat and also say that Jeremy 
Pavlar's Cricket Hunters. Um, oh, fuck yes. Yeah. Great. Just, you know. He, I feel like I, I'm like this weird Jack in the box that pops up every time someone says something about that on Twitter. So like, Hey, I <laughs> I'm like, hey, what's up? I just wanted to say that. Um, I love that book. Hi, Jeremy. What's up? <laughs> uh, Jeremy was great to have on as a person too. And a guest. he's, a, he's a really fucking cool guy. Yeah, no, he, he definitely is. And I, I mean, I, you know, I, again, I fangirl over you guys too, because I do, I always learn like so much about the craft every time I listen to an episode and from him, it was so just sort of like, I don't know, reassuring his, his trajectory was so different, but kind of the way he thought about things and the way he was like, you know, fuck it, I've got to do what works for me because this other, you know, this isn't working and worrying about writing something a little bit different that I don't, it was all just very like reassuring and, and just interesting to hear his path. So. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing that I, I've been really digging about this podcast, not bragging about us, but just talking about the dynamic that we've developed developed is that ink heist's original mission is kind of um i mean yeah first and foremost as a service to readers because that's the way you maintain your objective uh, objectivity um but the second most important thing to us is enabling writers of fiction and creative nonfiction, um however we possibly can you know to keep them writing keep them publishing keep them you know making money and and creating stuff for us um and we've done that through you know like publishing some stories you know for a pittance of pay but we can't say we paid for them um and then even more beneficial i think is what you just mentioned when we bring those guys on to the podcast and girls damien was probably the one i've learned the most from so far uh damien angelica walters um but that's been a great benefit is we have so many people every week go i learned so much about writing from this episode and you know it's like okay well that's in my opinion the absolute best way to enable a writer is if you either teach them something or inspire them. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's every episode and I think it's, I think it's just because it's been so interesting because there are so many different paths to get where we are, you know, and, and, you know, up, up and down the line, as far as like, you know, people as, as big as Josh Mailerman and, you know, John Taff and everything. And, and then, you know, on down to the, to the smaller fish, you know, it, it's just, I feel like just everything, everyone has something to say and everyone got there a different way. And, you know, um, John Taff is, is like the reason I'm writing short fiction at the moment is because I think when you all had talked to me, you're like, do that. I'm like, Oh no, I don't, I don't do that. That's not a thing, you know? And, and then when you talk to him, he was like, well, yeah, I do because I just do. And I'm like, Hey, Hey, yeah. Okay. You know, I should just do. And I mean, it's just encouraging because it's like, yeah, actually, you only have the limitations you put on yourself. So get on it. So, yeah, Um, yeah, that's exciting to hear, too, that you're doing that. I was I mean, I wasn't like all bummed out that you weren't when you said you weren't because I love your long work. Um, But I'm excited to hear you put writing some short stuff, too. Yeah, it's I mean, it's a whole like I said, I really just didn't feel like it was a skill set that I had. But I actually just tweeted about it one day about like asking for tips. And it's like, you know, just a whole slew of people came on and were like, OK, you know, here. I mean, just really good technical 
expertise on how to really kind of get it set up. So I still don't know, you know, how successful I'll be at, at making it any shorter than 130,000 words, but um, it's, you know, it's fun to turn. Yeah. Yeah. Word limitations are a bitch for me. Um, whether, whether you're talking about speaking or you're talking about writing, I love the sound of my own voice, even when only I can hear it. So, (laughs) you you know, what's funny is like, there's been so many great writing tips. And I think part of it is like you said, just the different backgrounds and viewpoints and experiences. But the two things that, like, I took away from it for myself, even, is, you know, a lot of the writers, they'll say, you know, like, like, Damien had a great quote where she's like, there are no wasted words. And, you know, going to Jeremy, when he said, you know, I just decided to write for me. Like those two things, like it sounds kind of like basic, like that's that's the first thing you would think of. But I think coming from somebody who's done it and like, you know, has written that book or written that story, you know, it means a little bit more when you hear them say it as well, if that makes any sense. Well, and that's, yeah. yeah, sorry. No, go ahead. Um, that's what one of the things that is I think is so for me educational is and I think you said it too, Laurel, but um is that every single time we talk to someone about a new work or past works and stuff like that, it inevitably comes around to process and it inevitably comes around to the evolution of whatever that work was and how it came to be. And like you said, there are a million different ways for that to occur. Um, and they're all, they all make so much sense in their own way, you know, depending on the personality. Um, but yeah, yeah, I learn, I learn a ton of stuff just from listening to you or Mailerman or Hepler or, um, Michelle Garza or any of a thousand other people just tell me how something came into being. I mean, like Sean Hamill's. When we talked with him about a cosmology of monsters, the evolution of that book was utterly fascinating to me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, and, and and just to hop in, because every time I listen to your all's episodes, I talk along like I'm there, too, because, you know, I'm whatever. But, you know, but it's uh, when you all were talking about, what was it, the Passion Plays or like the little, the like the Bible houses or whatever, where you go and they do like the, it's like a haunted house, but it's like the, the hell houses. Oh, hell house, yeah. Yeah, I was going to tell you, those are absolutely still in existence in Kentucky, in, you know, everywhere. Yes. He's t- I, I was just like, when he was talking about that, somehow, <laughs> got roped into these stupid things, you know, he'd think he was going to a punk show. <laughs> and, yeah. and, like Bible bashing. I was like, oh, my God, I've so been there. It sucks so hard. Oh, man, I kick somebody's ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like, because I remember hearing about those, like, in the nineties and stuff. And like, they would be like on these, like, you know, 60 minutes or 2020 type specials. And I'm like, surely those things have faded away by now, but nope. nope. Still out there. Uh, yeah. The, Bi- the Bible belt is still a thing. And as long as it is, things like that will be too. <laughs> I just, with, without, you know, and, and I honestly, like, I, I actually consider myself a Christian, but I'm just saying, if you got to trick people 
to come to your shit, you might want to work on your message. Like, I think, right. <laughs> like, just, you know, be honest. Don't be weird. But, you know. And that's the thing is that people that do that, they try to trick people into it or they try to shame them into it or scare them into it. And it's like, that's just, the, I'm I'm totally atheist, but I, I don't think that's even close to the message that the Bible is ever trying to put across, you know, that, hey, go, go con these suckers into being here. <laughs> I mean, in fact, what it said, what it said is go and talk to them and tell them what it's all about. It doesn't say, you know, fucking browbeat them into coming to church. <laughs> well, two of those hell houses, man, like some of the descriptions of like some of the stuff in there, like in a cosmology, like some of that stuff was like more hardcore extreme than like some of those extreme haunted houses. I know. I know. I'm like, God damn. <laughs> Um, I know that I would be much more terrified in a place like that. I had never heard of those until I, until we were talking to Jeremy and and he or to Sean and he was talking about uh, talking about those things actually being real. And I was like, oh, you're fucking kidding me. That's terrifying. Yeah. Well, and you're not. You know, the thing is, you're not terrified of God. You're terrified of the fuckers who tricked you into coming there. <laughs> yeah, the, the fucking those who conned you into. <laughs> like, God, please get me away from these creeptastic fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're praying to get away from them because. You start start feeling like you're in a horror film, like The Collector or something. I just hear this, like you know, sort of. Have you seen Clerks 2? You guys seen that? I can't remember. I've se- I've seen, like, I don't even know how many there are. I've seen the first one a long time ago, and then I saw one of the newer ones. Well, that, what, what? I just, like, it's, it, there's a scene where Randall is talking to, I think it's like Eli or whatever the kid's name is, and he's saying something really weird, like, you know, creepy religiously, and he there's this, like, creepy ringing in his ear as he backs away you know and I'm, that's what i always hear it's like when i realize that i'm in the presence of someone who's like imbalanced in that fashion i'm like oh there's this creepy ringing in my ear and i'm like backing away before they harm me i mean that's just that's what those things just always say to me it's like oh you've tricked people here to to creep them out good job oh i was sitting here starting to talk to you with my mic muted but i caught myself quick <laughs> it was very quick. <laughs> Rich is echoing, but uh, um, I was going to say something else to you, Laurel. Uh, um, creepy Bible readers, clerks too, Randall. Yeah, I haven't seen any of the clerk stuff at all. That's that was where I was going with that. Is I haven't. I'm super 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 not up on that <laughs> <laughs> I love Kevin Smith I love Kevin Smith he's you would probably appreciate those I would think um I yeah I like I like Kevin Smith selectively um he's can be funnier than hell sometimes yeah I will say I did not watch Tusk um I'm not sure that I will but it's very, very strange. Tusk was, yeah, yeah. 
Um, I, I wouldn't feel like I had missed anything if I had never seen it. One movie that he did that I think is underrated and, um, it's a horror movie is, uh, I believe it's called red state. Oh yeah. Yeah. Actually it dovetails nicely with our, with our previous discussion about the weirdo Bible beater, creepy churches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. That was, that was, I was impressed by that movie. Like I went into it, not really expecting all that much. And uh fun fact. Um, I think it was James Newton. Shane will know. It was James Newman and Adam Howe. They're the ones that did that novel together, Scapegoat, right? That's, yes. Um, is that what it was called? I believe, it, I know it had Scapegoat. I'm pretty sure it was it's, just Scapegoat. Where they could they come across the psychotic, it's the yeah. punks who come across the psychotic Bible thumpers in the world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it was inspired in part by that movie, which if anyone hasn't read that book, it's it's great. Adam Howe and James Newman are both great authors in their own right, but together, like, that book was crazy. I'll have um, to look at that because I have Yeah, because they, they br- – go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was it. Go ahead. Okay. No, just, I was just going to say they bring unique uh, – both bring very unique attributes to to the work um, because Adam Adam is the humor guy. Anytime you're reading something that Adam had anything to do with, and you find it yeah. funny as hell, that's that's his fault. Which those Reggie Levine books and stories, oh man! If you guys haven't read those, they're amazing. Yeah, they Kane are. would probably know the titles better than I would, but. Um. Yeah, you and you'd probably be wrong though, right now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to. We'll have I to look them up later. <laughs> um, that's like one. One of the books was the first one that had Reggie Levine in. It was, uh, like Die Dog or Eat the Hatchet, right? Yeah, yeah, and that was a yeah, that was his collection, and it was in there. I'll yeah. Look them up. But yeah, I, I remember when I first read that collect. Oh, Tijuana Donkey Showdown was the second one. Yeah, yeah, that was the other one. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I love it with that title. <laughs> yeah. oh, and, and the title is very telling. Too. <laughs> yeah, it, like it's funny because he takes like with Reggie Levine and everything. He he takes these concepts that like on the surface you. You know, and there is humor to them, don't get me wrong, but like on the surface, like you would read Tijuana Donkey Showdown and you're like, what the hell is this guy thinking? And you're expecting it to, you know, be just straight up like over the top humor, but he's got like some good elements of like crime noir and stuff in there. And it's just, it's like nothing you've ever read. I can say that. Like it's 100% unique and they're, they're definitely worth reading. I think they're pretty short too. Like I'm pretty sure Tijuana Donkey Showdown was a novella, maybe or no. I think it was a novel, but it reads very fast. Uh, yeah, I just made a note of that. The Reggie Reggie Levine one and the Tijuana. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, the Tijuana donkey, donkey showdown. <laughs> I, depending on who you are, you'd call it a novel or a novella. It's right. It's in that kind of grayish area there. Well, I was looking at it on Goodreads, and it said 230 pages. Mm, I don't know if that's right, though. That seems... Yeah, I don't know. But And then the first story, which is in that Die Dog or Eat the Hatchet, was Damn Dirty Apes. That was the first one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Where they think they saw the skunk ape. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and and if you if the if the words Tijuana Donkey <laughs> Showdown um, don't if you think that those are um, as potentially dangerous as they as it gets in that arena um, no <laughs> trust Any- me when you bring skunk apes into the picture that donkey starts to seem appealing <laughs> and. And two, I for, I don't know if he announced the title, but on Facebook the other day I was looking through there, and he um, sorry that was my cooler. He uh, he had mentioned a third, like I don't think it's a Reggie Levine series, but he mentioned a new book where it was supposed to be like modeled over those over the top '90s action flicks. Um. God damn it. And we we would like to pause for another awkward silence with Rick and Laurel. <laughs> you mean with I was waiting for you to chime in, man. I, I laid out the uh, 90s movie action thing. I thought you I thought you were going to say something. Uh, no, Laurel started to started to say something and I interrupted her like I keep doing. <laughs> I think that happened last time. <laughs> Laurel, Laurel and I interrupt each other more than any other fucking guest I've ever <laughs> that we've had. <laughs> I say it's mutual. I do it to you all the time too. <laughs> it's it's a dynamic we have going between us. <laughs> it's like give give her a fucking chance to talk, Shane. It's not Twitter. <laughs> Well, I, I, a good jumping off point, since I kind of just went on that long-ass rant about uh, Adam Howe's books, and Shane, you could throw one out there, and Laurel, you can too, but um, is there any writer out there? Because like, I think the Adam Howe books, I, I think Scapegoat was two years ago. Not sure. So it doesn't have to be a recent release from this year, even though it's the year end show. But is there any, you know, book or author series out there that you think is kind of like under the radar that you want to put out there for the listeners? Oh, man, that's a good question. I'm going to I'm going to make Shane go first, because I feel like they're definitely. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yes. Okay, that's that's a pretty easy one for me. It's a guy we've actually been in interactions with a lot lately, um, and that's uh, Philip Fracassi. I hope I'm saying yeah. that last name correctly. Uh, that guy is utterly brilliant. He's never penned a story, or at least never published a story, that I don't find just absolutely incredible every single time. So that's mine. Uh, you want 50 more? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, no. Like, uh, I guess, I guess, like, for people who are listening, like, I'm aware of his work and stuff, but maybe just, like, 
one or two things of his that he's written that you would recommend people start with? Um, actually, I would just recommend one right out the gate, and it covers it. And that is his collection called Be- – is it Behold the Void? Yeah. Um, that thing is brilliant. It's got both short stories and novellas in it, um, and arguably some of his absolute best best work is in there. So that would I would go straight to that one because every other book that I've mentioned except for Shiloh um, would probably also be in that book. Nice. I'm making all kinds of notes here because it's not like my TBR isn't long enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no, you always need more books. <laughs> exactly. That's why they're taking over my house because like. <laughs> Even as many authors as I know and that Shane knows, like, we'll trade stuff back and forth or even we'll just see somebody mention it. And we're like, oh, did you see this? Oh, yeah, I'm adding that to the list. <laughs> Next thing you know, I got books piled all over the house. It's crazy. Yeah, and a, and a movie watch list that's about 12,000 entries long. <laughs> Fun fact for movies, like this is, we should just title this episode in case the fun fact episode. <laughs> one time I, I was sending Shane all these movies, and I'm pretty sure he made a document that just said Rich's fault. <laughs> I did. I still have. <laughs> It's good to know who to blame, you know, later. He said he was going to do it, and then the next thing you know, I get a notification in my email, and it just said, you're invited to edit Rich's fault. <laughs> <laughs> so Rich, Rich took it in stride and went in and added about 50 movies. <laughs> well, you gave him access, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> But that then, was his first mistake. But that way, when my wife says, why the fuck are you watching that weird crap? I can say it's Rich's fault. <laughs> that is really, I get that question a lot from Well, damn it. You know, that's Lillian's fault. That's Sadie's fault. You know, exactly yeah. fault with who, who recommended it to me. Ooh, I came up with my book. Oh, thanks Jane, okay. for giving me the lead time on that. I actually <laughs> just went back to my Kindle because I was trying to remember. Um, yeah, I know the one I'm going to talk about. Maria the Wanted and the Legacy of the Keepers um, by Violet Castro. Um, it is a vampire novel and it's probably drives her crazy when people say this. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of vampire novels anymore. I used to really be into them, but I feel like they just sort of, you know, the genre got very saturated. Um, and they all got very similar. But this one I picked up, and it's absolutely cool as hell. Maria is a fucking awesome vampire. I got chills sometimes reading this because she just, like, every time I thought it was going to turn cliche, it didn't. Um, you know, and she is just, like, she's, I, I don't know. She's she's kind of all of us as far as women are concerned. She's, I, I don't know. It, it was just... I absolutely fucking loved that book and um, I feel like more people should read it. And it is ostensibly from what I can tell, cause it, it says it's the keeper series book one, 
my understanding is she is, you know, looking to expand upon this series. So yeah, that's, that's one that I think more people should definitely read. I think she's already got a, at least a draft of the second book in that series. I'm not positive. I, I have not read the first one. I own the first one. Um, but I can attest to this fact that she's an absolutely wonderful person when you interact with her online. Super, super, super cool people. Yeah, I'll definitely add that one because I, I I wouldn't say I'm burnt out on it at all. But like when people say like, you know, like it was oversaturated, like I usually still read that stuff. And I I haven't read many vampire books lately, but I've always enjoyed them. I think the last one I read was the one by uh, Andy Davidson. And Shane, you might have to help me with the title of that one if you remember it. Um, got it. Something with the word valley in it, Rich. I'm a, um, I'm I'm gonna look it up. Just uh, in the valley of the sun. That's it. Yeah. The last, that's the last one I had read. Which, you know, that it's kind of unexpected, like from what you would expect. But yeah, I'll definitely check out that one because I love uh I love vampire stories so. Well, and she's, she's an excellent writer and she's, yeah, Shane, like you say, she's, I mean, she's, she's very cool people. And I really like her. This is going to sound like one of these, like just dumb things that I feel like I should have known without, you know, sort of reading her talking about it, but she talks a lot about representation being very important, um, you know, and about being able to see, you know, uh, people of color and Latinx, um, you know, characters uh, and, and authors being published and everything. And, you know, it's something that I had kind of seen her tweet in frustration about like the public, you know, the, the publication, um, about people saying that they couldn't identify with Maria and, you know, how frustrating and upsetting that was. And, and it was just kind of like, you know, I, it, to me, it, it was just really to be like, yeah, I mean, you know, this was a character I seriously identified with as a female, like a lot, you know, and, yeah. and I can only imagine that being, you know, your creation and feeling like people were being alienated from it, you know, because of something that, you know, like that. And it's um, one of the things actually Patrick uh, McDonough at um, uh, sorry, Patrick, I may have just butchered your last name, too. Sorry. Um, at, at Deadheads had asked me if I wanted to do a guest post with them. Um, and I I said that I would like to do an interview with with uh, Violet Castro and, you know, I'd sent her some, I'd sent her, you know, the interview questions and everything. And then I also kind of in reading the stuff that she was talking about too, I started wanting to do like maybe a few of these and I haven't touched base with any of the other authors that I wanted to talk to yet, but just kind of about how being in some of these more marginalized groups affects your path to publication, you know, like how, what, you know, what do you run into? Does it, does it result in self-publication? Does it, you know, how, how does that affect everything? How does it affect the readership and, and that kind of thing? So that's in uh, 2020 is something like, you know, if I can ever slow down and find time to do it is something I'm, I'm looking to hopefully do for deadheads is kind of trying to explore that path of the more, um, uh, the more marginalized voices in the genre. Uh, that's pretty, I would be very interested in reading that. So when it comes out, I would definitely will that I'm assuming you're going to do that for February. Um, um, yeah, either, I guess just depending on, we had talked about that yeah, for the, um, 
either either her interview in particular or more like a culmination of of um yeah of interviews with some of the other folks that i was looking talking to but it's an important subject uh to be outspoken about i think um and i mean i'm too i'm too fucking white i you know we're i recognize that um i'm privileged but and where that showed is when Gabino Iglesias released Zero Zero Saints. Um, that book that book is riddled with Spanglish, you know, a yeah. combination of English and Spanish, and, and it's brilliantly and beautifully written. One of my favorite books of the decade, easily. Um, and so many people got pissy because they they didn't like the Spanglish and they couldn't relate and it was just a gimmick and you know just the the even a, a few of them you know they were obvious crackers didn't like the Mexican words in it you oh, know yeah. <laughs> and but it was really disheartening to me you know because I I mean I guess I should have realized that there's still pricks like that in this country but um seeing it in action like that in reviews and things like that was like that was just really, really um, disheartening to me. And to see people like him and Violet and other people being super, super outspoken about that um, is kind of hopeful because they have voices. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, to a, a podcast that does a great job with that and like in terms of like giving those authors an opportunity to like talk about their work and you know talk about those same kind of issues is uh a guest we had on the show angel angel louise cologne he was on and he has a great podcast called the bastard title which i'm almost caught up because i told him right before we interviewed him i i didn't know he had a podcast until like i was doing some research and then i saw it and i told him i was going to listen to it and i think i listen now because i drive a lot for work to like anywhere from three to five episodes a day <laughs> so wow. i'm always caught up but his podcast uh talks about that a lot with uh you know the different authors that he has on there so um anyone listening to this you should also check out the bastard title that's a great podcast but too he also edited the anthology uh pake tulo sepas which was Wow, that, was, that was my favorite anthology. I there's so many stories in there that like you know it was a wide variety of genre and styles, but a lot of those really stuck with me. It was a great great anthology, and if anyone hasn't read it yet, you should pick it up. All the proceeds go to support uh, Puerto Rico. Yeah, no, that was a that was a beautiful anthology. I mean, I, that that was my favorite of this year as well. And it's like you said, it's like there's this, you know, common cultural thread in a to a certain extent, but but it's so vastly different, you know, from people's different country of origin and their you know their upbringing and the way that they bring their own voice to their story. And and to me though, it was you know the subject matter. That, that comes up the, the one I think it might have been called La, La Turistas where they're um, yeah. they're taking the you know like the fake coyote trip yeah there. and to me I was just like oh damn yeah like there's a lot in here there's just a lot in here and it was just 
man, that's no, I loved that anthology. I thought it was excellent. Yeah, there's so many, so many great writers in there. And, you know, it was funny talking to Angel about it. You know, he kind of, he kind of didn't want like the spotlight, I guess. But I think as an editor, he did a really great job. And like, there's so many great stories and him and I talked about a lot of them. Um, but the one that I like just the most probably, and only in terms of like my typical genre reading styles was, uh, the story from Jessica Lane. I think, I hope I pronounced her name right. I think it's either, I think it's Lane, but, uh, I believe it was called Sundowner. The one with like, it was kind of like a unique, I don't want to spoil the story, but a unique take on a typical like horror monster. And uh, it was like a great blend of like crime and horror. And there was some funny moments in it, too. Yes, I had forgotten about. Yeah, no, that one was all, that one was excellent. There was yeah. No, that was that was a really, really good one. Yeah, I actually uh, I actually talked to her a couple times on Twitter, and uh, I believe she said that she was planning on writing more with that character. Oh, yes, please. Yeah, I want to read that. That's what I said. I was like, I love this story. I was like, please tell me you're writing like a novel or something, or you're at least going to do more with this character. And I think she said she was. I, I'm, I'm not trying to put her on the spot or anything in case she listens to this, but... I believe she said that she had plans to. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, there, there was so many great stories in there. And like now, cause I read it a little while ago, so they're not, the titles aren't fresh in my mind, but then there was the other one that I really liked, um, where it was like the pastor had come to that one village and, um, Oh yeah, that was, yeah. that was, yeah. And it was about, like, you know, the community banding together and, like, making a stand against, like, the, I believe it was the cartels. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, that that anthology was so great. And, uh, like, too, like I said, talking to, I got to talk to Jessica a few times, and she's really great. I think she has, I think she only has short stories out now. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to read more of her stuff. Cause like I said, that her story, the sundowner, that was like the sweet spot with like pretty much everything I like. Yeah, that was awesome. That was a really good one. But, um, too, like it's, and it's interesting cause normally I was always like a novel person, but like lately I've read a lot more novellas and a lot more collections. And I was just curious. I don't know if you're big in the collections but other than you know Pake Tulo Sepas was there any other collections or anthologies that stood out to you this year um yeah and I I'm I'm like you I was never I wasn't a big fan of short story collections because I it was you know I like to get more invested in the characters and things like that but but it also I mean I've come across so many really good ones lately. I really liked uh, Sonora uh, Taylor's Little Paranoias that came out this year. That one was a really good collection. Um, and I'm actually I own a few more anthologies that I don't think I've started reading any yet. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I like I said I I know I used to read some mainly uh, 
pretty much the gray matter press ones. Those were like the only ones I read as far as anthologies, but I've been getting more into them and believe it or not. And it's, you may have already heard of this one from the show with Max, but it's <laughs> the one that he said, like a writer had told him he was going to destroy the horror genre, but oh, tales. Yeah. I just <laughs> read the last couple stories last either last night or this morning and believe it or not like he took a concept that is so absurd but like all of those stories are really good i i believe it max is he's i mean he knows what he's doing and but yeah i mean when i heard that on his on his episode with you guys when he said he'd been told he he broke yeah. publishing it. I just I, yeah. I was like well done max i'm really proud <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah. I, one time on Twitter, I was going back and forth with him for a little while. And like, I was like, you should do a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I think he sounds like he's got... He sounds like he's got a traumatized from the whole thing. So... <laughs> Yeah, I think he learned his lesson about that. <laughs> yeah. those specifically absurd anthology ideas like that. <laughs> well, too, it was funny when he said, "What, Shane, What didn't he say it was called like Leftovers, where he's like, the people got pissed that their stories were rejected and they were going to like do their own. <laughs> and, and they were going to call it like Leftovers or something. <laughs> It was something like that. I know it was. It was as it was way more absurd than the original book was. Hey, sorry, Max, if you start getting hate mail again for that. Yep, but if you if you do need to do so, it's Max at. <laughs> we'll, we'll screen your hate mail, Max. I kind of want to read some of that stuff. In all seriousness, though, like, now that I think about it, like, I don't know how he, where he finds the time. Like, I think he runs, like, three podcasts. He does uh, Perpetual Motion Machine, Dark Moon Digest. And then, he, you know, he obviously he writes his own uh, novels and novellas. And... And he works, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and he works full time. He works full time as a night auditor in a hotel, um, which sounds like a great job for a writer, but not quite as great as it sounds like it is. <laughs> yeah, no. But and and the the uncanny thing about Max is he's so incredibly talented and so incredibly accomplished, and he's like twelve. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna get you for that one. <laughs> Seriously though, I think he's in his early twenties, maybe mid twenties by now. Uh, I I I want to say he's a little bit older than that. I know that they're. I know that him and I are pretty close in age. I'm a little bit older, but when I first encountered him, um, he was 22 years old. Well, it, let, let's do the math. What year so was that? <laughs> that's, that probably puts him at about 27 or 28. Okay, yeah, that sounds about right. Cause... 
what have I been doing with my life? Because <laughs> him and I were nerding out over Goosebumps a while back. Or rather, I was just bombarding him with questions about Goosebumps, <laughs> and Shane's just sitting there like, uh, please. <laughs> please oh, shut yeah. the hell up. <laughs> Not really. I just I don't have any dog in that hunt. So it's kind of, it's kind of like, uh, no, we had Stephen King. <laughs> there wasn't there were not a lot of things in the areas of dark fiction for young people when I was a kid. And that's I think that's why so many of us gravitated to adult fiction at a really early age. Those of us who were extreme extreme bibliophiles because we didn't have that kind of selection. I think it's fantastic that guys like Stein and other people came along and started creating more inventive dark fiction to help indoctrinate young readers to the dark side. um, it, I think that's a, that could be a big part too, maybe, and it's pure speculation on my part, you know. Uh, but why the horror genre is in as much of a boom as it is today, you know, because you took a whole generation, you guys' generations, multiple generations, and and actually had them sold on dark fiction before they, you know, became adult consumers. I, I think there's something to that because I'm pretty sure if like I I'm pretty sure a lot of authors that are around, you know, my age and, you know, maybe even younger were heavily influenced by that. Like I know Patrick Lacey, he collects YA horror books like Goosebumps, and I believe he also collected and I'm pretty sure they were considered a quote-unquote knockoff, the, like, Shivers novels. But I think um, you're right on that one. Like, I think a lot of people were influenced by that. And, you know, now, like, I know that was probably the first chapter books that I started reading were those. And look at me now. <laughs> <laughs> Turned out perfectly fucking normal, mostly. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Hanging out in the closet on a Saturday night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look at me now. I'm drinking beer in a closet talking about horror on podcasts. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Look how far I've come, Ma. <laughs> I've reached the top. <laughs> Fucking RG Bunker would be proud of you. <laughs> Nick, you're both sitting there going, who? No, I know who RG Bunker is. I totally know who RG Bunker is. I, I, I went, oh, fuck, did I just age myself really badly there? <laughs> this is one of these motherfuckers says, who? I'm going to hang up. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I, I I think you do. I think I think you're right, Shane. I think that you know that has played a part in it. Oh. <laughs> I'm so, I'm sorry. What were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> the influence of people like I'm, you know R.L. Stein and I'm kidding, man. <laughs> uh, hey, I I 
sometimes it's hard to tell. Like <laughs> my when my brain switches, my brain switches into smart ass mode. It's hard to pull it back out again. I have to, have to concentrate on it. <sighs> hey, here's a question for you, Laurel. Yes. Um. Anything you're super excited about coming in 2020? Like from from let's say from uh, Laurel Hightower to start with. <laughs> um, so much of that depends on people that are not me. Like my, my uh, I'm I'm really 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 hoping that that my second novel will be able to be shopped and hopefully like quickly picked up because I'm impatient and everything takes a long time. <laughs> but um, I'm, I would really love to see that come out. And if I'm being really ambitious, I've got a thriller novel that I've got like maybe a second draft finished on. Um, and it doesn't look horrible, but that awesome. might just be because I haven't read it enough to get angry at it. <laughs> and hate it. So, <laughs> um, my my uh, agent had asked me if I could please please write something without ghosts. And initially I said no. Um, and then I got an idea. And so I wrote one and I, I don't know, like, I think even though I was trying to follow the format of the thriller genre, I think I fucked it up, but I actually like it better <laughs> for that. So he's probably just going to sigh and close the file and think about it for a while, but, but it'd be really nice, you know, <laughs> if, if, uh, and, and if but that's, it. That's cool to hear, though, because the thr- thriller genre is another one that needs some fresh ideas in it. I kind of think so too. I've been I've been watching a lot of Edward Lorne's, um YouTube, you know, videos and the kind of the things he talks about with the thrillers. Like, you know, we had a jokey like back and forth one time on Twitter about like, oh no, it's another unreliable fucking narrator. How new and amazing! <laughs> 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 The the um oh look it's a twist and and a, and a red herring but um I actually wrote one in which the twist happens in the first chapter so I I don't that probably doesn't adhere to any of the rules to it so I'm I'm not even sure if that works as a filler or not but I'm okay with it for now so yeah in a in a in a really optimistic world I'd love to see both of those hit uh, hit print in 2020 but but also I'm super excited about um um. Stephen Graham Jones, Only Good Indians. Um, I I fucking love him. He is so so good, and I cannot wait to get. I've heard nothing but good things about that. Did you guys get arcs on that on that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have I have it sitting right here on my desk right now in front of me. And spoiler alert: and Shane can kill me later, but we're working on getting him on the show. Yay! Oh yes, that would be a good one. Yeah. Yeah, we have some good. We have some pretty cool people we're working on getting on here. Um, Brian Keane yeah. has, has very graciously agreed to honor us with his presence. We're working on dates for that. Um, we're trying to get Joe Lansdale. Joe doesn't listen to this podcast, but if you ever fucking listen, Joe, <laughs> we really want you on our podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I have some people to talk to about that too, but yeah, it's just it's going to be an exciting year this coming year. Oh, um, that's awesome! But I totally re I totally rebounded us in the wrong direction. So. 
Well, so, so somebody else takes a fucking ball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm confused as to how we went in the wrong direction. Well, she, we were um, talking about books we anticipate. Oh, oh man, there's so many. Um, like uh, Laurel and I were talking about anthologies and stuff. I'm looking forward to uh, Miscreations. That's the new uh, Doug Murano anthology. I, and um, there's also one coming from Crystal Lake that uh, Mercedes is editing, I believe, that I'm I'm pretty intrigued about called Arterial Bloom. Yeah, yeah, that does look interesting. And it's coming from uh, Mercedes Murdoch Yardley is an incredibly talented author. But um, so it's interesting to me to see what would come out of her as an editor as well. And then uh, I want to steal at least one more from Shane. Uh, Todd Keesling's uh, Devil's Creek. That's that's the title, right? Well, yeah. See, now you both of you motherfuckers stole my hey, most anticipated book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Devil's Creek. And then uh, I also, even though I read it a little while ago when it was on Sam Hain. Um, I want to give a shout out to Brian Kirk's We Are Monsters. That's coming out, I believe, this in that towards the end of January. Oh, the um, issue had coming in January? Yeah. Through a flame tree. And my opinion when it comes to Brian Kirk's lexicon, that's a must read book of his. Yeah, that was his debut, and, like, I remember I just took it because the synopsis was interesting, Um, but then I read it, and it was just, like, it just, like, smacks you in the face with how good it is. Like, it ended up being my novel of the year that year. Um, Yeah, it may have mine, too. I don't recall now. I'm too old to remember shit that long ago. That one looks good, and also I think you all both maybe had read it. it was True Crime? That looks fucking amazing. And that, oh, and that's, I think yeah. That's January. That yeah, that's another. Uh, I haven't read it yet. I think Shane has. I'm going to be reading it soon. I want to um, say. Yeah. I want to say the fifteenth. Fifteenth. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and we're going to have her on the show too. Yeah, we're going to talk to her on the eleventh. Um, but, uh, yeah, I will confirm that um, that is an incredible fucking book. Yeah, uh, that's I've nothing but good stuff about it. I, I can't wait to read that one. It, and that's coming from uh, from Grindhouse Press. Grindhouse? Those guys, yeah. Oh, those, man. Those guys are just killing it. Every, every release seems like it's just a number one outstanding book. Um, oh yeah, like they have so many good ones. Uh, Matt Kurtz Kinfolk I read a little while ago, which, uh, if you kind of like the whole crime noir horror mashup, that's a pretty damn good one. Yeah, and CV Hunts. Uh, pardon me for saying this, but Cockblock. I mean, yeah. Oh my God, that was so good. I wouldn't want anyone to hear me swearing. (laughs) 
Yeah, that was a that was a great I, one. I think Laurel just fucking hung up on us. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's there. She says, "Fuck these guys, click." <laughs> and then they swore at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Cockblock was a good one. Um, yeah, they published killer shit. Um, Which, you know, it's funny because I know this year they have one coming out, too. Like, that one was Cockblock, and I believe the next one is... Oh, God. I'll probably kick myself because it's not the title, but I believe they have one coming out called Cocksucker. I don't don't know. We'll have to edit that out if it's wrong. I'm just like really picturing because, you know, a, a lot of us still have day jobs and and like it was and I mean, my job, you know, God love them. They were so nice about my book coming out, you know, and it was a little awkward when they talked about it being zombie porn and stuff like that. But I'm just trying to picture like, oh, you know, Laurel's next book is coming out. What's it called? Oh, you know, cocksucker. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> to be fair. And at first I was like, oh, man, drinking these beers on air is going to bite me in the ass. That is the title. It's from Lucas Milliron, I think his name is. But, yeah, it is called Cocksucker. And I believe it's about a chupacabra. So just to establish everybody, Rich is super excited about cocksucker. <laughs> hey, don't act like it's all on me trying to play a joke on me. I remember you messaging me in Discord about this book. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> oh, my turn, I guess. Well, Laurel stole the only good Indians from me. Um, like Laurel, Stephen Graham Jones is my favorite author probably right now. Um, he's up there anyway with guys like, uh, you know, Joe Lansdale, Peter Straub, uh, Jonathan Jans, um, and on and on and on and on. And even some women. I should name a woman one of these days. <laughs> um, actually, uh Damien, anything she touches, I'll read. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a if it's a grocery list. Well, that's uh, what I was like. I, uh, I also she might have replaced Morgan Freeman, and who I would like to dictate if I ever have like a really atrocious death sentence. Like <laughs> <laughs> amazing ways. Doesn't she? Like, oh, you know, Laurel, you don't have very long to live, and it's going to be painful, and it's going to be hard. Like, okay, Damien. Okay. Well, thanks for letting me know. Well, thank you. <laughs> Shane and I, I think Shane told her, like, yeah, out her- of all the guests we've had, her and Taff have, like, the best, quote-unquote, like, radio voice. Um, yeah. yeah. And Angel. Angel's got a great voice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a pro. Okay. Need I ask what the fuck that was? <laughs> what? That he's did a pro? Guys, no, did you guys hear that sound? I did, yes. So if okay. we have entered another dimension, you're not alone. Rich, what was, was that? It, wait, was it this sound? No, no. See, if Rich didn't hear it, he fucking made the sound, whatever. <laughs> well, I'm sitting, in, I'm, I'm sitting in a creaky rocking chair, and I'm trying not to move, but... <laughs> you're... So, I'm not a very restrictive man. 
You're in a What's closet that? trying not to even move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like how trying not to move, I would think you were trying to move. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it's a nice old rocking chair, so I try not to move because it creaks and groans and all that stuff. <laughs> um, okay, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, mine. So, most anticipated, and I'm going to spit out four really super fast here, are... Um, all from the same author, Joe Lansdale. Um, over the course of the year, starting at the end of December, he's got The Sky Done Ripped um, from Subterranean and Jane Goes North, also from Subterranean. Um, he's got Of Mice and Minestrone, which is a early life uh, collection of uh, Hap and Leonard stories that kind of gives some idea of their origins and you know, how they came to be who they are. Um, and uh, that's from Tachyon, I believe. And then the other one is More Better Deals, which is from a big five. I can't remember. They're all generic to me. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I'm really, really excited about those ones. <laughs> Make sure, Shane, the next time you request an ARC that you uh, put that in your subject title. Well, I, I <laughs> hey, do. Fucker, hey, yeah. fuckers, you all sound the same to me. Send me a book. <laughs> I didn't say which one of them was generic. <laughs> uh, beyond that, real quick. Uh, Jonathan Jans has a book coming out called The Raven that I'm well I'm always highly anticipating anything Jans has coming out oh, yeah. Uh, yeah so I'm yeah. Super, super thrilled with that one and then uh, the great Ramsey Campbell has uh, The Wise Friend coming out which is also super exciting um, both of those are Flame Tree Press books I got two more that I'll throw in there real quick. Uh, obviously, Ma uh, Mallory, the follow-up to Bird Box, which I just pre-ordered that the other day. Oh, and uh, and uh, because he's been posting it on social media, John Foster's Rooster, I believe, will be a 2020 release. Oh, yeah. Didn't he just send that to them? Was that... Yeah, he just he just announced it uh, a couple days ago, um, or not? Maybe it was a couple weeks, but I know he's been he posted like a timer. It's like his first like straight ahead crime book, and I believe it's the well. That's not true because uh, Taff had kill off with Gray Matter, but it's like one of the first yeah. straight ahead crime books. Um, remind me. Uh Catch a timestamp and remind me to ask about that because I think we weren't supposed to talk about that yet. Uh, one. Did he announce it? Yeah, I saw it on Facebook. There's oh, like okay. a. I'll double check just to be safe, but yeah, I believe there was a. Uh, he posted it because I remembered it said like nine months and whatever. I saw it on Facebook. Oh okay. yeah, great. Yeah, Matter posted that one. Yeah, yeah, I saw that the other day too. 
Okay, so yeah, we're safe, Shane. Don't worry. I just the last time I talked to John, he said, "Hold on, saying anything yet?" So yeah, that's the only reason I did is because I remembered seeing it like all I saw it on like Facebook and Twitter. Uh, yeah, and I see we have an email from John that I didn't fucking read. Sorry about that, John. Um, I probably would be more apprised of my current information if I read it. <laughs> no. <laughs> He, he didn't mention it in there. I think that's the other thing that we're not, not supposed to mention until next week. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. It is. Right. <laughs> Never mind, Laura. We'll tell you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Works for me. So, well, actually, I wanted to get to a whole bunch of other stuff, but it's getting pretty damn late. We've had two hours and some minutes of Laurel's time. <laughs> and well, uh, Real quick, I'm going to ask you, though. Are you at that particular point of inebriation where you will sing yet? Oh, not at all. Oh, no. damn it. He, <laughs> no, he, I, don't think he'll, uh, I don't think he'll sing on air. Uh, <laughs> I, there was a time, but I have... Uh, I have um, such crippling uh, anxiety that I have to take a drug just to do this podcast every week. I'm not sure if I could stretch into actually using my singing voice in a public venue yet. <laughs> I feel yeah, I feel you on the anxiety thing. I, I do. But I'm still going to keep pestering you about it until one day. Yeah, one day he might. Or just cut me off. Altogether on social media. I will. I will. I'm much more. I'm much more likely to do that in person than I am to do it over the air. So someday when we're all together, you guys get me drunk and stoned, and I'll I'll uh, accommodate. <laughs> yeah. You got it, man. <laughs> I'm in because I want to hear. <laughs> um. So. You have anything else, Rich? God damn, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> no, other than uh, you know, this was a lot of fun doing uh, you know, an informal episode like this to cap off the first season of the podcast and I guess just thanks to everybody who's listened um and said kind things about the podcast. We really appreciate it and thanks to all the authors that have been on and uh the guests that we have scheduled that haven't yet been on um yeah and in that vein too um while we have her here uh laurel hightower was one of our favorite guests this year and while it seems really impromptu to her because i just literally asked her this afternoon if she would (laughs) do this with us it really isn't as impromptu as it seems laurel because rich and i have been talking about wanting to do this ever since we had you on the podcast before um and you were immediately when we said well who can we ask today you were the only name that came up so oh, that's awesome yay uh, yeah no you, had a you sorry Laurel, <laughs> <laughs> sorry to say <laughs> and you and, and, <laughs> Shut the fuck up for a minute, Shane. 
really look forward to meeting you at Scarce Care and neither of us ever finishing a sentence. Right. <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine getting inebriated together and trying to have a conversation. <laughs> oh, man, I can't breathe. <laughs> the difference in that situation is that we both just keep fucking talking whether we're interrupting exactly. each other or not. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of sounded like one of those things like when people talk and it kind of like glitches like when the feedback and that's just shame and laurel neither one of them will will stop talking long enough for the other one to speak so. uh, <laughs> one of these one of these times, Shane, like if I ever miss the podcast, you guys should just do one together. Um, absolutely, <laughs> and and vice versa. Um, I hope to have Laurel on as many times as we possibly can over the years. Um, yeah, please, but I don't go anywhere. <laughs> when when uh, you message me, I say I don't, I don't leave the house. So yeah, I can. I can <laughs> Neither one of us really does any more than we have to either. (laughs) (laughs) But with you guys, that's mostly children. With me, it's because I'm old and I don't fucking want to go anywhere. (laughs) Mine is a combination of the two. I have a really good excuse to not go anywhere. I'm like, oh... The toddler. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna have to beg off of that. <laughs> so what I was so rudely interrupting Laurel with there was uh, that Laurel and other fans like her um, fans, other listeners like her, um, all th- all three of our other listeners, in fact. Um, have uh, been super, super supportive of us and uh, super dedicated to spreading the word for us, helping us to get the word out there that we exist and that maybe we're not totally full of shit. Um, And we could not do it without you guys, and we love every single one of you people. So that was mine. Happy fucking New Year. <laughs> and yes, we are fans. We're listeners, but we're also fans. I liked when Shane tried to walk it back from fans. <laughs> it's like, I went, how fucking like arrogant does that sound? <laughs> like we're fucking rock stars. <laughs> Thank you, Portland. This is a nice podcast. Won't be too long. Steven Tyler will be asking for my fucking office. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, Sterp is supposed to be as good as they care. So when she is, if you guys walk on in, we're going to scream and wave lighters, okay? She and I both will. <laughs> that would be great. I'll, I'll have to tell her this plan, but I'm sure she'll be on board. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh. so we're boring, Rich. No, that that was me. That was me coming right off the end of a donkey laugh. Uh, oh, so I couldn't breathe. I thought maybe the, I thought maybe the alcohol was setting in. Well, it is. That's partly what led to the donkey laugh. <laughs> God, poor Laurel. 
Uh, can we can we hit you with an endless stream of bullshit when I say, hey, let's let her go? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, Shane, it only took us 40 minutes to call her, so. <laughs> there is that. It has been, it has been kind of a time warp situation. <laughs> Uh, although in all seriousness I couldn't think of a better way to end the first season than this like I I laughed so hard especially at the end Um, (laughs) I agree I agree this is a fantastic way to go out this year and we will be talking to Laurel again next year when she publishes those two books because someone's going to publish them or we're going to have to huh I I couldn't realize what we would have to do. (laughs) He's like (laughs) Shane, you and I you and I need to collaborate on a novel that'll just be these sentences just cut off right in the middle. Half sentences all the way. Oh my god, Shane, I think you literally just. Oh my god, you just killed me. Our problem is if we collaborated on a novel, each of each of our uh, each of our entries, and if we wrote one, would pass each other in the email. I can't can't breathe because Shane's like, someone's going to publish them or work on the... And then he said something, he's just like, what? (laughs) Well, no, that was one of those interrupts where she saved my ass because I didn't know what to do. Like, well, I was, I was about to make a threat that I can't honor. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. All right, you guys, I'm going to let you guys go and uh, uh, <laughs> my wife and beat my dogs. Rich, open the door and breathe, man. I'm worried about you in that car. Right? <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't help it. This is the end of the show, but I couldn't let the last words be like, I have to go feed my dogs. (laughs) 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 But in all seriousness, it's been fun. And thank you so much for joining us tonight, Laurel. Absolutely. Thank you guys for asking me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You're, You're welcome anytime at all, sister. Awesome. Well, you guys have a good night. You too. Good night, Laurel. Bye. All right. Bye. Where the fuck is the stop recording button, Rich?